What now? We ask that question a lot, don't we? What now? Australia has voted no. What now? Palestine and Israel are at war. What now? Closer to our own patch, track has another new principle. What now? It is hard to know, isn't it, what to make of the immense news that rolls in as we scroll through our socials. How can we be certain of what it all means? Some events, they do catch us off guard, like the eruption of violence in Gaza. Others are slow-burning stories, like the voice referendum, but whether it's been out of the blue or not particularly new, we often feel like we need someone to tell us plain and simple, what does this all mean? What now? And that's exactly how one of the four biographies of Jesus' life begins in the New Testament. I'm talking about the Gospel of Luke. Luke begins his Gospel a little different to the others. He admits that there's actually already been a lot of news about Jesus and that a lot of people have already heard about him and written about him. But a lot of people were still asking, so what? What now? What does it all mean? Have a listen to how Luke begins his gospel. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. You see, Luke admits there that uh, many have already drawn up accounts about the things that have been fulfilled among us. And he says that they've been handed down from eyewitnesses. Luke is talking about the other Gospels here, most likely Matthew and Mark. Matthew was an eyewitness of Jesus. He was one of his disciples. And Mark's Gospel, which we look at in year eight, it relied on the eyewitness testimony of Jesus' closest disciple, Peter. Luke, however, was not one of these 12 disciples. He was not there when Jesus turned water into wine. He didn't see the paralysed man stand up and walk or Lazarus come out from the tomb. He never even met Jesus. So why should we bother reading what Luke has to say about Jesus when he wasn't even there? Well, Luke brings a unique perspective to Jesus because he himself has been caught up in the aftermath of Jesus' time on earth. He was a, a travelling companion of the Apostle Paul. And at some point, Luke heard about Jesus, followed Paul the Apostle around, witnessed the early growth of Christianity, heard these stories firsthand from Jesus' friends and his family, and then he thought, what now? What does this all mean? And so he decided to put together an orderly account, since, as he says, he has carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Luke addresses his gospel to Theophilus, which is a cool name, but Theophilus was most likely a sponsor of Luke. 
He would have paid for Luke's scrolls and his writing materials. And Luke wants Theophilus and everybody else to know the certainty of the things that he has been taught. Theophilus was no doubt, uh, had heard about these stories of Jesus, and he needs to know if he can trust them. And if he can trust them, well, then what does he do with them? Now, you're a lot like Theophilus. You've heard a lot about the life of Jesus here at Track. And if you're going to keep listening, you're going to want to hear the so what. What now? What am I going to do with these stories if they even matter at all? The so what matters. And we want to know that we can trust it. And Luke's so what of his gospel is that Jesus is good news, saving news, particularly for those who are on the fringes of the ancient world. More than any other gospel, Luke focuses on women and children and the down and out. He has a special focus on those who others in his day would have overlooked. You might feel overlooked as well. And so Luke's so what might be just what you need. And Luke was well-placed both in geography and in his competency to write this gospel. He spent two years in Jerusalem amongst the early Christian church where he no doubt came into contact with those many eyewitnesses that he mentioned. History tells us that Luke was a doctor, a physician. He had a scientific mind, one that was particularly aware of how illnesses and injuries would present in people and what healing would have meant for them. Luke says he has carefully investigated everything from the beginning and he's got the skills and the opportunity to do just that. And we're going to spend some time in the first chapter of Luke's Gospel in the run-up to Christmas, and we will see that Luke provides us unique insight from Jesus' relatives, aunts and uncles, people who were most likely part of that church in Jerusalem where Luke conducted his research. We'll meet Jesus' uncle and his aunt, his mother and his odd cousin, John. But along the way, we will see that Jesus' relatives longed to meet him. Luke records for us, in a way that the other Gospels don't, the private thoughts and conversations of Jesus' family as they prepared for that first Christmas. And more often than not, we'll see that Jesus' family liked to sing. They often burst out in songs of joy over the news they were hearing. In fact, the verb rejoice is used by Luke more than any other writer in the New Testament. And that's because the what now of Luke's gospel is that Jesus is here to save. Salvation. That's what Jesus is here to do. And after Luke has carefully investigated everything with Jesus' eyewitnesses and relatives, that is the so what conclusion that Luke comes to. The word salvation is used once across the other three Gospels, but Luke repeats it again and again in his. That's the so what of Jesus. He is here now to save us which is what Jesus' relatives and us prepare for as Christmas approaches in Luke chapter 1. 